have a seat. Please have a seat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. This is a powerful assertion by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ about himself. But what question was the Lord answering? Who was the questioner? The questioner, as many of you would know, was the Apostle Thomas. Apostle Thomas Didymus or the twin. He asked this question. He said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? To that, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Now, church, history attests that Thomas would later go to the nation of India. You see, friends, in answering that question, our omniscient Lord equipped Thomas with exactly what he would need to reach out to the people of India. In fact, many Hindus who come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ today attest that it is that single verse that was that pivotal moment, that inflection point when they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Friends, my name is Richard Lewis, as Chris uh, introduced me, and it is indeed my privilege to be here at New Horizon. I thank you so much for the worship experience. You know, worship is a great way to set your heart and, the, and your mind on the right things. You know why? You cannot worry and worship at the same time. If you see Psalm 39, uh, verse 16, I'm sorry, Psalm 59, verse 16, it says, But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. You cannot worry and worship at the same time. Praise God. We moved from Mumbai in the city of India in the year 2007. I was telling Pastor Duane and Chris in Pastor Duane's office, it was the job I had not applied for, the interview I had not much prepared for, and well, the trip that I had not paid for. We moved here lock, stock, and barrel with my wife Neelam and our daughter Christina, who was just two and a half then. Today she's 12, doesn't look at all like two and a half. And now my son, who is now six, who was born in this country. Such a blessing to come here in God's grace. By his grace, uh, the Lord has put us to use in the vineyard of a food bank, uh, the Renewal Food Bank, which is based in Bellevue. That's where my wife volunteers every Monday. And by God's grace, I am the president of this organization and I serve there. I'm also involved in the Gideon ministry. Uh, by God's grace, we give out Bibles in the traffic lanes of life. And so I lead the camp, which is in Bellevue. And by God's grace, again, and through his uh, Facebook, you know, when you seek God's face and you read his book, 
amazing connections happen. And well, through God's Facebook, I got connected uh, through the Campus Crusades for Christ, uh, the Najivan Ministries, which primarily reaches out to South Asians, Southeast Asians, and takes the glorious message of the gospel to them. Friends, my goals this morning are twofold. I want to give you a little taste of what India is and what Hindus believe. Number one. Number two, I want to give you three tips for sharing Jesus with Hindus. I do want to tell you this, that some tips are common for, you know, reaching out to all non-believers, not just Hindus. And at the same time, I'm assuming you have a solid doctrine in this church. And looking at Pastor Duane and just meeting him, it was amazing. That plaque in his office says it all. That, that you know, Pastor Duane, you are much favored by the gifts of the Lord. You are much blessed in his presence. You are cherished by his spirit and appreciated by your people. I can, I can see that all around uh, him. And that just praise God for that anointing. It took a while to memorize that, by the way. I just saw it this morning. All right. So let's uh, move on. So Dana, can you please advance uh, to my second, uh, uh, second slide, actually? Yeah. Thank you. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, the country of India. In the vernacular, India is called Hindustan. Hindu. Stan. Hindu, the religion. Stan, the place. Hindustan. My country is three times smaller than the United States of America, but three times more populous than this country. So we have 1.2 billion people. And you might be thinking, why am I showing the United States flag over there or the map? And we'll, we'll come to that. The population density round about where I live in Mumbai is a mind-blowing 26,500 people per square kilometer. Yup. I mean, normal driving is like a parking lot, you know, just good driving. I mean, it's really, really tough. 80% of my country is Hindu. Now, if you do the, if you do the math, you take the 1.2 and multiply it by 8, you get 9.6, which is 960 million Hindus, three times, the, almost three times the population of the United States. 16% is Muslim and 2.3% is Christian. That translates to about 27 million believers in this country. Now, friends, you might be thinking, how come I have a very American English sounding name? Well, that was the first question they asked me at Costco too. I said, how come Richard Lewis? And that is always an amazing door for me to share the gospel. Praise God for that. Well, I was born in a Christian home, and I became a believer at the age of about 12. You know, I, I went, had the born-again, very quiet, calm experience when a Catholic woman actually brought my mom, who was a Hindu, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she would be praying in the spirit. And when she would be praying in the spirit, I was like, what God is this that you can talk so openly to him? 
And I, as a 12-year-old, pretty much the same time when, you know, Jesus was, quote-unquote, lost in the temple. You know, that was, that's a very special age. So if you have a 12-year-old, invest a lot in that child because that is really a pivotal time. But unfortunately, around the same time, something bad was happening in my future wife's life. Her name is Neelam, as I indicated before. Neelam was a Hindu by birth. As a teenager, her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Here in this country, there's lots of awareness of cancer, and not so much back then in India. Uh, unfortunately, she died in a while. My wife, was, she was heartbroken at that time. She had been praying to these gods, to these religious deities and idols, and none of it seemed to bear any fruit. And she literally became an atheist. A couple of years later, I met her, and then I gave her a Bible. I told her, read this, because this contains basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. She took the Bible, and she read it cover to cover. And, well, didn't understand anything. She read it again. And that's when she realized that the Bible tells the story of this God, this man, Jesus Christ, and how much he loved us and came down on earth to die for our sins. The particular Bible verse that spoke to her was the verse I shared with you earlier, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Well, I like to say it this way. On the day of our marriage, the Lord swept her off her feet. She professed a public faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and got baptized. And I praise God for that. <laughs> Friends, now the technology age is bringing so many people into this country. Many have said the United States is a land of immigrants and all that stuff. But this map really shows you just how many are coming in. And if you advance to the next slide, Dana, you will see that's the state of Washington right there. And you will see that the maximum immigrants that are coming into the state are from India. Isn't that amazing? But I have a question to ask you, church. Are you ready for them? Are you ready for them, not just from a, you know, a mouth, a speaking perspective, are you ready for them in your heart? Because our Lord said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So when you come before someone from my country, what are you going to tell them? And it is my goal over the next few minutes to walk you through that. So let's move on to the next slide, please. Let's look at a few common features of Hinduism. But before that, take a look at um, you know, this video. We need a sound. How long have you been in America? Yesterday I came from India to America. Yesterday? Yeah, right. How long have you been in America? Six years? Eleven years. Uh, six months now. And in your opinion, who is Jesus Christ? Well, you know, I don't know. I'm Hindu, so I don't know much about Christianity. It's all over. Uh, only the same God for everyone. There's only one God, so there's Him. That's it. A philanthropist at best. And... Uh, Wacko, <laughs> a bit. 
because he let them flog him and didn't do anything. I don't know because that, that is not my religion. In your opinion, who is Jesus Christ? He's a god. To me, Jesus Christ is uh, more of a, a, a symbolism of uh, what what we know Jesus did for the mankind rather than a person. Um, he is uh, just a human being who just did extraordinary things. Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? <laughs> I, I'm not really uh, great in that part, so I don't know. I have much knowledge about that part. And who is Jesus? Son of God. Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and for the sins of everyone? Yeah, everybody. Every good person dies for somebody. Do you be interested to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, do you have a plan for that? How long does it take and things? We have a plan. Uh, God's the Son of God. And do you believe that he died on the cross to forgive your sins? Mm-hmm. Would you like to follow him as your Lord and Savior? Um, personally, I wouldn't because I have my own God that I believe in. And from there, we would love to stay in contact with you to answer any spiritual questions you might have. Sure. Yeah, I'll try that. You see, friends, as the book of Ecclesiastes says, God has put eternity on the hearts of man. The book of Romans says that what needs to be known about God, God has made known plain to them. The book of Acts says that God has not left himself without a witness. And as close as these people are to Jesus, you and I do sense that they're a little far away too, right? You do sense that when you talk to them. And are we able to make an allowance for the fact that sometimes even a broken clock is, tells the correct time two times a day? Right? And there might be some truth in what they speak, but not this whole thing. And how do you disambiguate the truth of the gospel, tease out from these beliefs that they have? And how do you present to them the gospel as clearly as possible? When you reach out to Hindus and you're sharing with them the light of the gospel, don't think in terms of a switch. Think in terms of a sunrise. It's slow, but it will illuminate and things will happen. So let's look at a few common features of Hinduism. And if you could please roll the next slide, Dana, that will be great. And we're going to take a few metaphors to describe Hinduism. As someone has said, uh, metaphors have a great way um, of holding the most truth in the least amount of space. So that's what we're going to do. So hopefully it will give you a good mental model of Hinduism and allow you to kind of just think of it better. So this is a picture of a rainforest. That's my first metaphor for you. You see that this is a very fertile, very verdant, very green environment and lots of variety. Anything and everything can grow here. You know, you got weeds on the floor, you got these bushes around, you got birds, animals, you got the swamp, you got these trees, the creepers, you got the tall trees, the canopies, and a huge kind of variety over here. And that's the first thing you will see. Sometimes, when you're talking to our brothers and sisters who are Hindus, you might feel you're climbing a jelly mountain. It's hard to get a foothold on anything. Right? And that is the first thing I want you to keep in mind. The second one. Can you please move to the next slide? This religion, Hinduism, is sometimes like a sponge. It absorbs everything in its path. There is no allowance for 
good or bad. I mean, everything is good. Just bring it in. It's all good. Which is why Hindus may have no problem taking a picture of Jesus and putting it right next to the other deities they might have in their altar, in their home. Right? So that's a second picture that I would like to paint for you. And finally, the third one is a picture of Costco. No, supermarket. Right? A place containing thousands of different products that you get to choose from. Every shopping cart looks different. Right? And that is the third picture I'd like to paint for you. But as Pastor Duane earlier said, oh, I'm already feeling a little hungry. And he said, you know, something like that. We're not done yet because I'm going to show you pizza. And then if you could please go on to the next one. This, I hope this mental model frames it for you. Because just as a pizza has three parts to it, the crust, the sauce, and the cheese, it helps to remember that Hinduism has three parts to it. Let's look at the first one, which is the crust. This is the common thing. And that crust is spirituality. Friends, as hard as it is to have a spiritual conversation in the Western world, it's antipodally, diametrically easy to have a spiritual conversation with a Hindu. India as a country is obsessed with religion. It's easy to have conversations. In fact, one of the Indian languages, it's an archaic language, but nevertheless a super language, it's called Sanskrit, has more theological terms than English, French, and German combined. So that is, hopefully that gives you some idea. So the first one is spirituality. It's common. It's not hard to strike up a conversation on spirituality. Number two is the sauce. And this is a secret sauce because this, is, this concept is almost unknown in the Western world. Or even if it is known, it is known with a different connotation. And that sauce is the sauce of tolerance. Tolerance. As a Hindu, you can believe in anything. Anything from the belief in many gods to, believe it or not, atheism. Anything provided you do not despise the rest. So, you know, when we think of the English word tolerance, we use it in a negative way, right? We say, uh, I don't like this, but I'll put up with this. We think of that as tolerance. The conventional meaning of tolerance as being something unpleasant that you're putting up with is not what I'm talking about to you here. Hindus view tolerance very positively. It's as if it's their gift to the world. At the same time, when they talk about tolerance and you have this conversation with them where you might hear what might be self-stultifying, self-destructing in this you know, very, very uh, brainy Western world, which you might hear statements like, oh, all religions are the same. Oh, Jesus and Krishna, aren't they the same individuals? And you go, wow, right? But remember, at that time, it's this tolerance principle that's playing under the surface, right? They're trying to tell you in a subtle manner that we are tolerant. It's our gift to the world, right? And we take umbrage to your comment on talking of this exclusivity, and number two, they might be subtly telling you, please do not convert me. That's the second part. 
And then the third one, the third ingredient of this pizza, remember everyone with me so far? We have the base, spirituality, the secret sauce, tolerance, and then on top of that we have, you guessed it, the theory of karma or reincarnation. Karma in its bottom line simply says this, we reap what we sow. But wait a minute, doesn't the Bible say that too? Yes, but the Bible also talks about grace. The Bible talks about transformation. The Bible also says that it is appointed for man to die and then the judgment. That is super important. But not so in the case of karma. Karma is part and parcel with reincarnation because the theory says that your actions in this life will determine what will happen to you in your next. So if you think really close, there is an age-old question that the theory of karma, this cheese on the top of the pizza, is trying to answer. Why do apparently innocent people have to suffer? That's really the question that's going on over there. But as you can tell, friends, it raises more questions than it answers. So having seen the crust, the sauce, and the cheese, so that's the spirituality, the tolerance, and the karma, how about some toppings? So there are the toppings of the favorite gods and favorite philosophies. And I do want to tell you this. I speak to you with a burden for people from my country. And while some of this may sound a little awkward and sometimes even funny, I do not mean to make fun of anybody and any faith group over here. I'm just saying, I'm trying to be as objective as possible, but at the same time, I want to make sure you understand what we are talking about here in as frank or environment as possible. So please, um, you know, have this, let's have this iron sharpening iron session and keep having the Holy Spirit sharpen you as you go. I hope that like those Greeks, we have also come here not to listen to me or anyone else, but to see Jesus. Yeah. So the favorite God's philosophies goes this way. Oh, I have my favorite God. I have my favorite deity. I'm starting a business. So I'm going to believe in Ganesha because he brings good luck. I, I need some money. I'm not doing well financially, so I'm going to believe in the goddess Lakshmi because she is the goddess of prosperity. Oh, you know, I'm about to get married, so I will not pray to the monkey god of Hanuman because he stayed a bachelor the whole life. So you see, there are different things that are going on beneath the surface and that determines how a Hindu mind is conditioned to believe. Isn't it funny the word believe has the word lie in it? You don't want to believe in a lie. And that's what we do when we try to bring our Hindu friends out of where they are. They also have their favorite philosophy, as I said, right? Which is like their favorite way of life, what's the right thing to do, traditions, so on and so forth. But my point here, and now we are moving on to the slightly more interesting part of it, of this session, is not just to tell you, give you this academic view of what Hinduism is, what this country is, and give it this barrage of all these facts and factoids and so on and so forth, and that will be only good in like, uh, you know, some kind of a quiz competition. But to hopefully allow you to unearth what's happening when you talk to um, a Hindu. 
Ravi Zacharias, who many of you know, comes from my country. And he often quotes this proverb his mother would tell him as he grew up. You know, in, in the Indian context, whenever you talk of cutting off someone's nose as an idiom, it means to insult someone. And so Ravi's mom would always tell Ravi, you never cut off someone's nose and you ask them to smell the rose. And that's so true. So when you are talking with a Hindu, it, is, it should be your prayer and my prayer that we always show across as in a very, very graceful form and in a very, very kind and compassionate manner. Okay, I'm going to take a poll by show of hands. How many of you have experienced sharing Christ with non-believers in general, not just Hindus? Wonderful. Thank you, hands down. How many share or have a spiritual conversation with an, with an average of about 5 to 10 people every month? Good. Very encouraging. Thank you. This is very typical, but at the same time, we thank God for that. Um, of those that raise their hands, how many about three to five a week? Great. Praise God. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. How many of you have Hindu friends? A few of you. Of those that have Hindu friends, how many of you have had this interaction with them on spiritual topics? Almost all of you, I think, except maybe a couple of hands that I did not see. That's wonderful. For the rest of you and for everybody else that even raised their hands, even if you don't have Hindu friends, I can assure you that you can be a missionary right where you are, right where God has placed you, because that's what God's word says in Acts, that God has set boundaries for where we live so that God may put us to use over there. And you can be a missionary and you can start witnessing for Christ right there. But let's start with the definition of witnessing. What is witnessing? Friends, success in witnessing is taking the initiative of sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and expecting results from God. Let me repeat it for you. Success in witnessing is taking the initiative, one, of sharing Christ, two, in the power of the Holy Spirit, three, and four, expecting results from God. Let's unpack that one by one. The first one, taking initiative. Now we have all heard of the story, this beautiful story of the non-Christian who asks the Christian who looks so joyful and says, why are you happy always? And he says, I'm happy because I have Jesus in my heart. Well, friends, if we rely on non-believers to keep asking us this question, I'm pretty sure our faith is going to die out in one generation. That is so true. We need to take the initiative. Jesus gave us the great commission, the great commission of going into the whole world and spreading the gospel to every creature and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with the promise that he would be with us always. But friends, I submit that you and I are guilty because we have made our great commission the great omission. And we need to think about this. We need to think about this. Friends, in the book of Proverbs it says that when your stable does not have an ox in it, 
it's going to be nice and clean. But with an ox comes a great harvest. And I want you to ponder over God's word. And yes, our lives may be looking very clean and, you know, just the way we like it without carrying on the great initi- uh, this initiative of the Great Commission. But I encourage you to take the initiative. The second one, as I said in that definition, was sharing Christ. Note, I did not say sharing church. Hey, Jesus called us to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. So we are sharing Christ. Let's not share our denomination. I think the only place a denomination should be, should be in the post office. Right? That's where. We we are not here to win arguments. We are here to win souls. So we have to share Jesus, the person of Jesus. Remember your conversion story? Did you say that, oh, I want to go to that swanky looking building and have that cake and coffee and oh, Jesus is everything else. Friends, I'll tell you, the more of the Holy Spirit you have in your church, the less cake and coffee you need to run it. And that is something which is super important. Sharing Christ. How soon do we get swayed by the peripheral issues? Let's shine the light on Christ, on Jesus alone. Let him handle it. He can do it. We don't need to apologize for him. We don't need to speak for him. We just need to show the way to him. The third one, we need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this case, it's literally preaching to the choir for this congregation. You are steeped in the Holy Spirit, aren't you? And the Holy Spirit is working through you amazingly. And I thank God for that. But it's important to take initiative and to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that we would receive power, that we would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Friends, Jesus is bringing the ends of the earth right here in Fife, right here in these neighboring cities of Milton, of Tacoma, of, you know, you name it, right? That's where the Lord Jesus is bringing people. In the book of Daniel, it says, the prophetic book, last days, travel and knowledge will increase. That's what's happening. And people, Jesus is bringing people. The question we have to ask is, are we going to take the initiative in obedience, not getting ahead of the Lord, but walking with him? As that word said over there, we stand, we kneel at Jesus' feet and we spend time and getting things from him. And the fourth part that I said is expecting results from God. Friends, Praying is an important part of witnessing. Prayer casts the winning blow. Evangelism is only collecting the pieces. This is something super important for us to remember. We do email a lot. How about some knee mail now? Right? How about going to the Lord regularly on our knees so that on our knees we can see farther off than the skeptic can see on his tippy toes. Let's do that and let's expect results from God. Let's pray. Pray however you must. Pray for the faith of the person, the answers to prayers, the idols that person might have, the trials and tribulations, and the health of the person. 
In case you didn't notice it, that's an acronym for faith. That's something how I remember when I pray for someone sitting next to me in the bus or somewhere else. F-A-I-T-H. And that is what we need to do. We need to expect results from God. For those of you taking notes, I said the faith, F for faith, A for answers to prayers that that person might have, I for the idols, the idols, I-D-O-L, I do love anything that they do love other than Jesus. And the, the T for the trials and tribulations that they are going through and the temptations and H for the physical health of that person. Pray. Pray for that person. Pray for your neighbor. Witnessing to Hindus can be tough, but once they come to the Lord, they are truly obedient. They exceed our obedience. My witness is personal because in my life, so much of my personal spiritual growth was caused about because after my wife became a believer, she said, so let's read the Bible. And I was like, really? We need to read the Bible? Okay, let's do that. And then we started reading the Bible and then we read many things. And, you know, at some point I did not know that, uh, well, you know, Jesus died and rose for our sins. And this is in each of the Gospels. I thought it was only in one. And I'm like, isn't this a repetition? And she said, yeah, can't you see? It's from a different perspective. I'm saying that, you know, and that is so true. We, we need to keep that thing in mind. So having established this important definition, this bedrock on which we are going to, with Jesus as the foundation, of focusing on Jesus with the Holy Spirit as our builder, our help, our advocate, our comforter, who's going to be with us, we are now going to share biblical, three biblical tips that I want you to go back home with and try them out. The first one is this. Be positive. Be positive. Have a positive attitude. As someone has said, an attitude which does not have gratitude lets, lets itself run into a ratitude. So we need to have a positive attitude. That's the first one. Christians sometimes feel bad about reaching out to Hindus. We have negative thoughts. Oh, don't they worship idols? Animal worship, deism of the universe, rituals, festivals, yoga, caste system, all of these things come to mind. What would happen if you would have negative thoughts about Hindus? It would show. They might say, your actions spoke so loudly, my friend, I could not even hear what you were speaking. And it will show. And that is something which we need to remember to keep it in mind. Already, sometimes we believers might have, you know, this negative connotation of being condemning our Hindu brothers and sisters whom the Lord brings here. And so we need to keep that thing in mind. As I mentioned earlier, what Jesus said in uh, Luke 6, out of the abundance of our heart, you know, our tongue is like this little bucket that you leave it down right into our heart. It picks up whatever you get there and it comes out. And that sometimes can come out and it will show. So pray for them. Pray, don't pray against them. Pray that they may come to Christ. Don't just pray off against the demons and so on and so forth. Pray for them. Pray for the people. In our community, we had a housewarming and this was by a Hindu family. Now, Neelam and I know that back in India when we have housewarming, it's pretty interesting because, you know, food is served to idols 
and then there is fire and there is coconut and lots of stuff and then that food is served back to everybody who had attended it and i'm pretty sure some of you already that verse is coming in the mind right i command you do not eat foods given to the idols you know it and that was what we were thinking of this is very practical and we said well, you know i think we should skip it or let's go a little late right <laughs> after that thing is over but we said no let's go let's just go because we know that if the holy spirit has brought this family in our path he will make a way and he did i'll not go into the details of that but we did and we established a great relationship with that family thereafter we had them over the lord did amazing things i used to travel for my work earlier and once i was at new york and the guy from that home he and i meet at new york on exactly the same day when his accommodation for the night falls through and i say hey you can come live with me in the marriott and he came and what uh, was with me for the night and i said uh, to him shall we pray i talked to my lord jesus he said richard i would love to pray he never had a conversation around jesus with him earlier and he's i prayed first and i said would you like to pray and he said um, okay looks like i can pray too based on how i heard you pray and he prayed it was as simple as that and that forms an essential bridge remember we are building bridges not walls so let's have a positive attitude friends we have no better example than our lord jesus himself right when he chose his disciples did he not know who's going to betray them did he not know that they're going to desert him did he not know that he would be crucified mocked spit upon yes he knew that but he did he went through it all he had a positive attitude a lord had a positive attitude that is because he saw these disciples not as present imperfect but as future perfect are you willing to see this is something the holy spirit taught me and i praise god for that that i used to look at some of my colleagues at work and at microsoft very smart folks like you know great presentations some things strategically something tactically and i'm like lord how come he can think so strategically and suddenly the holy spirit put in my head just think of it if this person becomes a believer what will be his gifts to the kingdom of god You see where I'm going with that? So take your Hindu friend, take your non-believing friend and project them. Project them as a transformed individual and project them and see them for what they will be and not for what they are because that is the that is the same thing the Lord looks at us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. So we need to keep that thing in mind. So that's one thing and well which of you cleans the fish before catching it you first focus on catching the fish we'll talk about the cleaning comes later and it's not our job by the way right so we need to keep that thing in mind that we need to have a positive attitude that's the first one i hope that the holy spirit is making you and i feel more positive about reaching out to our hindus through this the second tip is subtly simple and it simply says this go to them go to them now this tip sounds obvious but christians feel we need to invite hindus to our church to our bible study to our prayer group 
to our houses. Perhaps they would get exposed to Christ. The word of God would touch them through the Bible study, through the sermon, through the message. They'd get convicted. Friends, I applaud you for that. Thank you for thinking that way. That is a wonderful thing. Many Hindus come to church. The Holy Spirit convicts them. They become believers after that. But also, please take the initiative of going to them. Again, take the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who left the glories of heaven and came to this dusty, sinful planet for you and for me and gave his life. He came to us. He did not say, I'll see you at judgment time, right? He didn't say, you come to my father's church and there you will know what it is. No. He said, I'll go to you, right? That true religion verse in the book of James, that true religion is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in distress. Who are the orphans? Who are the widows? Today we are looking for places, right? Orphans, widows. No, 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 no. Orphans, widows, you and I. That is true religion, that Jesus came here on earth for us. He came to us. That's super important to keep in mind. Even when you look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, there are these three chapters, Acts 17, 18, and 19. You will see these words strewn in, that, in these three chapters. And he went to the synagogue. He went to them. He went to the Jews. This is after Paul became a believer. Maybe Paul would have thought, if I go to the synagogue and they keep talking of all of these Jewish things, then, I mean, is that a good thing for me to do now that I believe in the Lord Jesus? No, but no, Paul had this burden for his countrymen. In fact, Paul later says in the book of Romans, I wish that, you know, I would not go into heaven, but my countrymen would, would, you know, would be saved. That is his burden. So take the initiative and go to them. But go where Hindus are. Easter and Christmas is good, but do some research. I mean, we are always a click away from a search engine today. Do some research and find out what are the events going around. The city of Fife has a great website, great calendar, daddy and daughter, mom and son days, the harvest festival coming up. So many good things coming up in your neighboring cities. Um, there is this uh, temple, uh, the Sanatan Dharma temple nearby. So there are many things going on right where you are. Think of those places where you can go. Friends, in 2010, uh, the Redmond City, the city of Redmond, along with the Hindu Vedic Cultural Center, started this quasi-religious cultural program called Anand Mela, Anand Happy Mela Festival happiness festival and this we knew would be steeped in all kinds of quote-unquote Hindu practices and so we were discussing among us believers whether we should go there or no and we said me included perhaps we should just skip it but the Lord put it on our heart put that burden and you all know what that burden feels like right and we went by God's grace over the two days that we were there we had 400 Hindu visitors to our booth and we were able to personally witness to 125, give or take some. One person who met me and I so vividly remember, he said that I've been a skeptic for 25 years. That's when I quoted him the opening verse of the chapter Pastor Duane just quoted from, which is from Hebrews 11. Pastor uh, Duane quoted from Hebrews 12. 
which says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. This was a man, Hindu man, for 25 years was waiting for things that he could see. And, and that's when God's word just revealed to him that that is what is faith. That when you wait for something which is unseen and God is faithful in providing that to you and his eyes were open. A lady who thought she had a perfect life, she said, I don't need a savior, walked her through the Ten Commandments and she looked and she said, probably I need one. I said, would you like to accept the Lord as your savior? She said, not yet, but I'll think about it. But we prayed for her and we know that at the right time, as the book of Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything under the sun. At the right time, she's going to come to a saving knowledge. Pray for her. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Now, I want you to think about this, right? Okay, we'll go to them. But what if I am a little scared? What if I don't know what to expect? Is there a way about how to do it? Friends, the good news is if you are careful and you are prepared, you will be able to go and you will be able to reach them for Christ. So where can you find Hindus? Hindus are humans, people. People live in homes. Hindus live in their homes. Hindus are probably your neighbors. Shopping in the grocery store. Absolutely. They eat food. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Yeah, they do. They talk. They have fun. They are wonderful hosts. Here in America, we, if you come to someone, you can meet the person on the door and then the person goes away. Try doing that to an Indian household. They will bring you in and they will wait on you. Unless if you lived in America for a long time and then you forget some of that. <laughs> Happens to us sometimes. I'm just saying. Go to these Hindu social events. Go. Talk to them. Right? So you'll find them in shopping centers, in your Fred Myers, in your Safeways, in your, you know, you name any grocery stores. You can identify them with their dress, with that dot on their forehead. You will also find them on the internet. They are looking for spiritual answers. They have questions. As when they come on, on the internet looking for questions, several ministries, maybe your favorite ministry is looking for them and reaching out to them in different ways. The Campus Crusades for Christ has a missionary, internet missionary organization where people are anonymously assigned to seekers and they bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. That's a second tip. Go to them. My third tip to you is a tripart tip, which is ask, listen, share. Ask, listen, share. Now, this tip is an outline for good conversation. The first one is ask. Ask good questions. Listen intentionally. Take time to do equal sharing. And let me unpack that for you. Number one, ask good questions. Before we move to asking good questions, let me give you some questions that you should not ask. Bad questions would be questions like, oh, I heard you worship rats. Can you tell us more about that or snakes or about the caste system that you have or about untouchability or oppression? Those are terrible questions, right? They're terrible, terrible questions. Remember, my friend, good questions always outrank easy answers. That is something you need to keep in mind. And it's very easy to start with what you know. But as someone has said, wisdom has two parts. 
One is knowing what you have to speak. And number two is actually speaking only what you should. And that is where you need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So if there are those bad questions, take them out. Think of what would happen if someone would ask in an American society about slavery, about racism, about you know, all of these different contentious issues. Good questions would be neutral questions. Tell me more about your religion. Quite okay. Tell me what do you find in faith to live life? What's the meaning of your name? What are the differences in your family living here in the United States versus living in India? You might be invited to a home and you may see an altar with idols. Don't use the word idol, but instead say, oh, so many deities over here. Which one is your favorite deity and why? Good questions. Don't fear that they're going to happily start talking about their religion and you will have nothing to contribute happens, right? We think that. But no, don't worry about that. Respect them as a person. That is important. Do you know that many times Hindus themselves don't listen to each other and they have their own because remember the rainforest, the sponge and this and then how can two walk together if they don't agree with each other, right? And that's something that happens a lot. The second thing that I said is listening. And listening is more than just quietly listening. It's something called active listening. Listening is when you're really paying attention. You're taking mental notes. It's that point when you know enough to summarize. That is active listening. Summarize in a few words. Repeat the basic, the main points of what they just shared with you. If they tell you, yes, that's what I said, then you got it right. You're doing a good job listening. There's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. Right? Let's do active listening. Now, just to be sure, that is also a tip for good marriage, a good relationship. Why am I only hearing the women shouting aloud? And never mind. Right? Friends, relationships, business, everywhere, right? The third step in that the three-part ask, uh, ask, listen, share is the sharing part, right? And I like to say equal sharing because that's important. If you're given three minutes and you go 30, it's unequal sharing, right? So, B, after you have done this good listing and after you have summarized it, try and you know, give your perspective. Say, oh, that is good to know about how you pray to Ganesha. Can I share with you how I pray to the Lord Jesus? And 100% of the times you will say yes and probably with a small phrase at the end, I want to know. Because I can tell you by God's grace, Whenever the Holy Spirit brings people in Neelam's path and my path, we freely pray with them. The, God, the Lord has given us this boldness. We weren't there that way before. We were like, oh, should we pray? Will they get offended? Will they feel this? No, come, let's pray. We'll talk to the Lord Jesus. He'll just answer your prayers. Now, just to be sure, we don't want them to just keep trying to follow the miracle because miracles never build faith, right? It's when you have faith that miracles follow. But miracles, if you, if you chase miracles, it never really builds faith. Look at the people of Israel back then and look at us today, right? Anyway, but keep that thing in mind, that you can give them equal sharing and you can talk to them without making them feel offended. But remember, you have given them the first opportunity to share. And so that makes it so much easier uh, for them to uh, listen to us. Okay? So, as I said, 
Jesus said, right, do to others as you'd have others do unto you. So if someone, if you, that person shared it in three minutes, you don't go 30. So you do that very well and everything will go uh, really good. So those are my three tips to you. The first one was be positive. What was the second one? Go to them. And the third one was? Ask, listen, and share. That is very, very important as you do that. Be prepared to love Hindus in a genuine manner. It will show and they will warm up to you. They already know Americans as very friendly. When we go to grocery stores, when we go to different places, we don't look at people in the eye. You can go to a grocery store and come out of it without looking at any person. I read, heard somewhere on the radio or somewhere it said that the bigger the government, the smaller your smile. And those, those are some problems facing India. And, you know, you see that. You see that thing over there. But here in America, right from, you know, when the first time my dad was greeted by someone and then he, they asked him, how are you doing? And he spoke a few more sentences than he should have. I said, Papa, it's okay if you just tell him or her, fine, I'm doing great. You know, it's, it's kind of, they're not, they really don't want to know more. It's, it's, it's good to talk. And then my dad got it and then, you know, he's super in talking uh, with folks here. But yeah, that is something to kind of keep in mind. So as you go out, be friendly, be yourself. Very important. Be yourself. And that hidden part of you will start showing. And they will love you for that. And they will warm up to you. And amazing things will happen after that. As I mentioned, because reaching out to Hindus can be more of like sunrise rather than turning on a light switch, it can take time. It can take time. Don't get discouraged. You might have shared so much about the gospel, about Jesus, about his stories, about his love. Jesus' power over creation, over death, over disease, over demons. Jesus' love, Jesus' forgiveness, your favorite story from the scripture. You prepared, you spoke to that person only to realize the next day the person is saying, oh, I'm sorry, I can't meet you. I need to go to my temple. And you'd be like, really? Did that not help? But no, I submit that it has had its effect. And at some point it's going to be like the straw that broke the camel's back, right? That keeps on working because we have to believe what the word of God says, right? Sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide the bone from the marrow, spirit from the soul and is a discerner intentions of the heart are laid bare like a candle that searches the innards of man that is God's word so keep that thing in mind the next thing I will tell you as a summary is avoid criticism that comes naturally to us it's easy to criticize but remember we are not building a wall as I said but we are building a bridge so do what you do naturally, not what others tell you to do. Hindus who come to the Lord say that Christ is the lovable God. He's a God of love. We, church, are his hands and feet. We are free to go out and talk to them about Jesus, bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord. When Paul spoke to the Corinthian church, he said this, he said, though I am free and I belong to no man, yet I make myself a slave to all 
so that I can win as many as possible even though I am free and I belong to no man yet I make myself a slave to all so that I can win as many as possible I will end here I'm going to invite Pastor Dwayne to come up on the stage and I'm going to also invite the worship team uh, to come up please I thank you all for listening and I'm sure the Holy Spirit is working his wonders he's speaking to you in your heart please be obedient to him it's, it's our prayer that we should always be obedient to our Lord let us remember that the finished work on the cross the continued work of the church will lead to the planned work of his people and we have to be obedient to that so I'm going to request you all to please rise as uh, I would like to pray on you and for you a prayer. And please add to it as you must. It is not the eloquence of our prayers, it's not the words, but it's the object of our prayers. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.